Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that isn't going to give you a cutesy intro this time. I'm, I'm sorry, we, I can't. The show that reads the fucking room. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm also one of your hosts, Stan Ludwig. Apologies, but not apologies to people who have said a couple of times to us that listening to our show is a good reprieve, a good escape valve for everything that's happening and going on right now. Uh, we want to continue being that, of course, but as we've criticized the Andy Griffith show for numerous times, eventually escapism borders on denial when you refuse to acknowledge things that are happening. Dan and I have to acknowledge a couple of things about the outside world. I know that you're not coming to us for political opinions. I know that you're not coming to us to have like a whole lot of extensive social commentary but some of this does have bearing on what we do and also that's some white people shit to just kind of pretend that stuff isn't happening uh and we're not gonna fucking do that so (laughs) we are a show that kind of fell ass backwards into political relevancy we started doing this show to make fun of old-timey attitudes and baby boomers and slowly realized that we were a show about the cops. And suddenly, it is a very interesting time to be a show about the cops. We are a show about a show about cops, and there's no way around that. So, right up at the top, right, being completely unequivocal here, Black Lives Matter. Black Anger Matters. Dan and I support all forms of protesting, all of them, except for the ones about your shitty uncle like, complaining that he has to wear a mask to Costco. Fuck that shit. But all the other kind, we support, and we're not here to hear any other arguments. Uh, And if that is upsetting to you, don't listen to us. Honestly, if that's upsetting to you, I do not understand how you got this far into the podcast. You know, you knew what this fucking was. But, yeah, fuck off. Coming out real hostile to to some of our worst listeners. That's fine. Coming out real hostile towards... Ideally, a hypothetical listener. As the protests and as this, as our massive wave of police brutality, they affect the entertainment world and they affect a little bit of what Dan and I do here. There's been a lot of conversation lately, and by lately, I mean with the past couple of weeks, but slowly over the past several years about like the idea of copaganda. Uh, Vulture yeah. put out a good article recently uh, asking, like, why are cops always the good guys? Why is the media that we consume so prevalent in um in lionizing the police officers? Uh and this is a question that Dan and I have touched upon. You've heard us talk about what we think about Andy and Barney's police style, uh but we haven't really gotten into what it means that, you know, in the 1960s Especially in night from '65 on, CBS and NBC they really got into promoting police stories, particularly the LAPD. In fact, Hollywood did a lot to help revitalize the imp, the idea 
of the LAPD after the Watt riots. That was basically what Dragnet was. Dragnet was yeah. like a weekly propaganda piece for the police uh, that just said the police have dangerous jobs. Adam 12 was this. And this is not new. Like it because media is made about cops all the time because it's a pretty easy way to say good guys, bad guys. As a result, if you watch a show about cops now, you have and you're at all aware of the current state of the world, you kind of have to indulge in some cognitive dissonance. If you play Spider-Man, you have to if you uh if you watch Spider-Man, you have to kind of acknowledge that it's in a completely different fundamental reality. If you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you have to do the same fucking thing. You you have to kind of put yourself in a world where everything is different, and it just sort of stopped being an okay time to do that. Yeah. Traditionally, Dan and I, at the halfway mark of every season, kind of decompress, talk about a little bit about what we were thinking and where we're at with the series, uh, and how we feel about it. And this is actually right at the halfway mark so this little bit of intro for us is going to be us talking about that and doing that we are going to do an andy griffith show episode a little bit later but this is going to be a little bit of a uh, a longer uh introduction uh so we're gonna basically have to rectify dan and i here about what it means to be a show about a show about cops we've hedged a lot uh you've heard us say like not to come across as pro-cop, but blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And so this this is us, like, saying, you know, basically our thesis statement un- you know, unequivocally. Uh, politically, I would put myself as an abolitionist, if I'm going to list a, a position for myself. In real life, I am probably a police abolitionist and a jail abolitionist. Dan, I'm not going to speak for you there. Um, um, yeah, I am. So this is kind of forced me to take a uh, a coherent ideology it's something i kind of realized i didn't have over the course of this of doing this show i am also an abolitionist at the very least uh defund and divert it's kind of a weird thing where we started this show having no idea on where we actually stood on the question of where whether or not there should be cops and we've sidestepped it in a lot of our conversations just kind of sort of kicking the can down the road. Now, for the purposes of this show, because, like, it's not very interesting to listen to us say the Mayberry Police Department shouldn't exist every single week. Uh, but for the purposes of this show, our perspective has kind of always been that if the Mayberry Police Department exists and if police are, are to exist, we would prefer it that A, they apply the law equally to all people, and B, that police do not, you know, use the law or their power for their own gain. Two things that Andy fails to do all the time. Although, even on that first one, we rooted for Andy when he failed to serve a eviction notice. We were on his side on yeah. that. that. That's kind of what makes this, this hard. Like, as we've pointed out numerous times, this is a show where police regularly abuse their power for personal gain and their entertainment. And that's the freaking joke. And in yeah. some in some non insignificant way, that normalizes it in the minds of the audience. It's not as profit, as paranoia filled as Law and Order SVU uh, or its contemporary Dragnet, but it is still like an intensely popular and influential show that we've pointed out numerous times. 
influence somebody's idea of what policing is and what crime is. We've talked about the idea of criminals from Crime Island and having fun crime. And let's be let's uh, be clear here, like I don't think Brooklyn Nine Nine should exist anymore. I've been wanting that show to go off the air for a while too. Yeah, it's Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think is in terms of current media the ele- the elephant in the room of all like popular media. There's Law and Order too, um, but Law and Order has sort of been fading into irrelevance for an increasingly long time. Law and Order has relevance simply because though. There is a Law and Order showing on TV every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, it might be the only thing I can think of that is as ubiquitous currently as the Andy Griffith Show was in the '60s, where like yeah. everyone can see Law and Order at any moment. I think we all have a cop show that we've kind of let slide. Like, my show is Justified, which is about a cop who is super bad at his job, shoots people way too much, abuses his authority. Uh, and I fucking love that TV show, and I kind of have to reevaluate that. And I think we all kind of have to reevaluate what we let cop shows get away with. I think as long as you have the prevalence of mind to evaluate what's going on, you're there's, that's slightly more okay. But I think the problem is that for decades, the only narrative, the only narrative has always been like, cops are in the right even if the like cop goes bad and goes rogue they're always proven right the vast majority of mainstream ideals go around cops being always the good guy always in the right what what we're gonna hear at this point is a lot of people saying that we're reading too much into it this is just a silly tv show you know the andy griffith show is not a serious drama but the fact of the matter is everyone always pretends they want to believe that a good piece of art will influence people. You know, we can tell a real, a real good joke on The Daily Show and it will change people's minds that your TV show or your movie, your podcast or whatever will have a greater societal impact. But as soon as you say maybe that impact is negative, which is what we've been saying for years, then the it turns around and people say, this is just a distraction. You're reading too much into it. It's just a silly show. So I'm yeah. not... I'm not willing to let the show that we have committed ourselves to evaluating slide on this. Um, it's not, it's not Dragnet, but I'm, I'm going to say it's, you know, not Dragnet, not the paranoia hole that is Law and Order is a very low fucking bar. Our entire show is premised on we have this tiny piece of the problem. We identified something that did something and we wanted to really dig into what it did. And now's a pretty good time to fucking commit to that. Yeah. Um, it all kind of blends together into this tapestry. And I think, and the Andy of the show sort of progenated that tapestry, but I mean, your family sits down, uh, goes on TNT, and watches their feel-good, turn-off-their-brain show about cops doing police work that is in no way whatsoever accurate. They watch, like, CSI, NCIS, uh, like, Monk, whatever cop show is on USA right now, and it all kind of forms this soft propaganda that has sort of broken the way we think about cops 
and it's something that over the process of all this we kind of need to overthrow and and to to be clear like we're not the only people talking about this the writers at vulture aren't the only people talking about this i'm glad dan mentioned monk because one of the producers of monk which is a very silly cop show came right out on twitter last week and kind of said like i think we need to rectify with what we've done and how we've portrayed this griffin newman of the podcast blank check who was on who was arthur on the tick started a like fun drive because 20 years ago he played a detective on two episodes of blue bloods which by the way blue bloods is pure propaganda so he kind of as as a reparations fund uh started collecting bail money uh, he donated like $11,000 because he's one of the only people that's making money off of podcasts right now. I donated some money uh, in our name as well to his fund. By the way, in terms of actual tangible actions, I don't know about you, Dan. I feel like between the two of us, we've donated like six months worth of Patreon subscriptions to various bail funds and Black Lives Matter and things. Uh, yeah, I've donated some some red money <laughs> at this point, I, I guess. If you donated to our Patreon, it's going to a good cause. That's fucked up. No, we can't say that. Uh, delete all of this, hey, we donated money talk. That's jerking ourselves no, no, off a little. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep it in, and here's why. I want to use that as kind of a springboard to what you can expect from us from here on. Because I want to I want to point out that we're not just philosophizing about this. So in terms of concrete steps, there is that. But here's what you can expect from us from here on. We are going to continue to make jokes. We are not going to suddenly become a serious media evaluation podcast, but maybe a little bit. We're going to see these these regressive ideals. We are going to mock them. We're going to continue to explore the impact of these ideals on the greater populace, because that's kind of what our show is about. But we are definitely going to get into a little bit more about the idea of policing when it comes up. We are also going to increase our amplification efforts. We are going to bring... We're going to be a little bit better about bringing on experts because those are, number one, those are always our best episodes. Uh, and number two, we need more voices beyond ourselves to the conversation. Uh, and calling us out here, we talk shit on the Andy Griffith Show all the time for only ever having one black guest star ever in its entire six-year run. Pretty sure we've only ever had one black guest on this podcast, ever. So we need to step yeah. our up. Up, up our game on that so we're gonna tr make more attempts to be educational as well as entertaining we're gonna stop saying yeah that was bad but whatever when we do ratings one other thing i wanted to kind of point out immediately so i've been reading the end of policing which is a book about the history of police and and abolition and what i find interesting about it is it starts from the argument that's almost a sympathetic to cops argument it starts from the argument that the police are asked to do too much. We have put all of our societal ills on the police. There's homeless people around, call the police. A dog is, is loose, the police are dog catchers now. The schools are failing, bring the police in. We've put everything on the police and give them budgets to match without really giving them any of tools because the tools to do anything about that because they really shouldn't. So... And where we see that really prevalently is in the Andy Griffith show. You and I have asked numerous times, what exactly is Andy's job? Because he's yeah. picking up women's laundry for them as a community servant, which we still agree is good. 
but it also does blur that line, especially since Andy, we see, has control over the entire town. So we're going to get into some stuff about that, and we are definitely going to bring in some better voices than us to talk about this. We are still going to try to be funny, though. So moving forward, we're going to sort of do an open-door policy in terms of guests. Um, If you are an educator, organizer, or advocate that would like to speak on uh, copaganda, police violence, or basically anything that comes up in the show, we would love to have you on this in weird little platform that we have. We want to use to the best of our ability to help, to put it bluntly. This is a sort of an open call. Our platform is yours. Breaking Mayberry walks a fine line between meaningless escape and topical satire. We know this. But this is a time to be critical of our ideals, to assess where our attitudes come from, and we're going to continue to explore these topics, but we also want to continue to make a good and entertaining show for all of you. So that said, let me go ahead and read the one-sentence summary for today's Andy Griffith episode. <clears throat> Barney assumes the worst when Andy gets a letter from an ex-convict that he shot in the leg and captured a few years ago. Oh, come on! God, nope, not doing Are it. Are you Next fucking one. kidding me? <laughs> Fucking A. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so no, um, we're 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 not fucking doing the Andy Shot a Guy episode, obviously. Um that was that was a little bit staged. Uh Dan, you did watch that episode. I watched about ten minutes of that episode before I had to check out. We're gonna skip this and we're gonna come back when we've got somebody who can speak authoritatively on this one. We're gonna circle back to that episode. There's no need to do it right now. Yeah, that is uh that was the sort of focal point of an an argument we had about what the fuck to do next. Uh, and at one point I just said, well, Marty, what's the next goddamn episode? And you just looked it up and was like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, so that's going in the vault. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna do that episode eventually, and we're gonna do it right. I, I want it known that Dan and I have been discussing this all week. Like, yeah. what to do about this. Uh, this is not something we made up before recording, which is about 90% of what we do. I uh, I do want to go on record as saying I was the coward that wanted to temporarily switch to Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I I should be held recount- accountable for that. Uh, it was Marty that kind of kept us on the right path. It would have had more argument if not for the fact that you're always trying to get out of talking about the Andy Griffith show anyway. Like, you've been trying to bail on this show for the past six months. <laughs> I've been readying the escape pod for, like, a season and a half. So, the episode we're actually going to talk about today is Season 3, Episode 16, Man in a Hurry. Originally airs January 14th, 1963, written by Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzel, and directed by All Lives Matter, Bob Sweeney. Fuck. I was gonna do that. I was, uh, Mine was, um... Guy you just blocked on Facebook, Bob Sweeney. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> shit. We should have coordinated on this. Uh, uh, and here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. A traveling businessman's car breaks down in Mayberry on a Sunday, and he is impatient to get it fixed in time for his meeting in Charlotte. But Wally the mechanic does not work on Sundays. Andy's family welcomes him to stay with them. 
And then in parentheses, it says here, This story was voted by fans as their second favorite of the entire series. And it contains a link to a poll from the Andy Griffith Show Read One Watchers Club. And I think, I don't think there's any way to emphasize more how different our opinions are from that of the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club. Insane. It is an insane thing. Like, fucking, so it kind of just indicates not just, like, what our different experiences are, it indicates why these fucking people are watching it and how insane, and how insane of a reason it is. Because this show has no jokes. It is just, it's, it's tranquility. It's basically just like sitting on a porch and listening to cicadas, except the cicadas are babbling white dudes. It's nothing. And there, there are more comments on the ultra reliable Mayberry wiki page for Man in a Hurry than I have seen on any other episode. And even the comments themselves mostly say, eh, this was not that funny. It's not even like an average Andy Griffith episode. But it makes me feel good, and it makes me feel like what being rural on a Sunday in the 1960s was was like. It's it's a mood piece of an episode. Yeah. It's fucking wind chimes for half an hour. It's just yeah. it's it's and and I will say as like a piece of art that like gives you a feeling and like takes you into a setting. It does that pretty fucking well. There's not really any plot to it. It's mostly just like it's a mood piece. So I feel I feel weird judging it on the terms of a television show episode because it's barely that. Yeah. It's a fucking it's fucking whale songs to put you to sleep. Yeah, I, it is it's ambient noise. It is nothing. It's it's almost like a piece of art, but not in a good way. Like, in terms of, like, it's supposed to be hung in the lobby of your office building uh, to fill space. It's a fucking Thomas Kincaid painting, man. It's... <laughs> it's a it's a Norman Rockwell jerk-off. It sucks ass. I always want to, like, yell at you whenever we, like, shit-talk Norman Rockwell uh, on this. Because Rockwell himself pulled no fucking punches. Like, Rockwell made... Americana, but he was also a fucking dick about it. Like his four freedoms uh was about just calling people out on what America should have been. And he always used like his very picturesque settings to have a bigger point. Whereas and and it's only been in the past like sixty years we've just kind of like pointed at him, just been like, Oh, that's nice. But Rockwell always had some shit to say. This has Ooh. nothing to say. I I, I will I defend gotta, Rockwell. I, I will defend Norman Rockwell. I'm retracting that and taking Rockwellian just out of my fucking lexicon. There is actually, off of that, I just got uh, called the fuck out today, um, because we had an episode a while back of where we talked massive amount of shit on how to make friends and influence people, and we were like, oh, it's a textbook for sociopaths, and someone just, like, yelled at me and was just like, Motherfucker, that's like Psych 101 reading. What the fuck are you talking about? Is it it's really? A yeah, it's a par it's a really good book that is like fundamental text for uh for like the understanding of human psychology. It's just like what you start with. Uh so I got a uh a very well deserved you guys need to do some research thrashing. 
so this is really just like a we're getting called out on our sins episode of the show. Uh, I I did name the like chat channel that we are recording this in. I called this the rough one because it's gonna be one. Um, yeah. So uh, let's let's just launch into this actual episode. Um, so yeah, basically the plot, such as it is, is that a man is driving uh, through Mayberry and his car breaks down. And he can't get it fixed because it's Sunday. Uh, so it opens up with a car uh, by the side of the road just kind of pulling over. And a guy in it, he starts, he tries to start it. It doesn't start. He tries to start it. It doesn't start. He tries to start. It doesn't start. Ten seconds go by. He tries to start it. it does, it's yeah. so long. I thought that it was, it was almost Family Guy-esque in how long it goes on. I was laughing at how ridiculous it was that he kept. I mean, I, I, mean, I just screamed this is at the TV. Enti- we get the point. This is an entire episode of Family Guy holding the shin jokes. It's just overlapping. Like it's so long that it's supposed to be funny jokes. Like they fade into each other. Just like repetition, repetition, repetition. Too much repetition, and then it's. It's like sort of forms this weird tapestry of mild annoyance, because like the joke of these are supposed to be like, like <laughs> it goes on too long, and eventually that becomes funny of just how long they do this dumb thing, but they do it so much the entire episode that it's like, oh come the fuck on, you've yeah. been doing the same thing over and over again for twenty fucking minutes, and I have to watch this for my podcast. I can't leave. <laughs> Uh, he's so he sees a sign the sign says mayberry two miles and he walks two miles into mayberry and mayberry is a ghost town it is completely empty the war the cbs back lot is just completely abandoned and i will say again credit to bob sweeney i feel the fucking heat off of this guy i feel like i've been walking for two miles in the north carolina heat uh, and it's, I mean, it feels sweltering and I'm, yeah. you, you, you wonder why, where is everyone? It feel it's so weird. Um, yeah. cause we've never in the show before seen just a completely abandoned street like this. He looks like Burgess Meredith in that one episode of Twilight Zone, uh, right before he breaks his glasses, you know, this time enough at last. This whole episode has hardcore Twilight Zone vibes. Because him walking around the empty town is not like, hey, check out this nice empty town. It's like, like, what the fuck is going on? It's the surface of the moon. Did aliens come? Where are all the people? It's some real I am legend shit. But then we find out where all the people are. Because there's a ding, dong, ding. It's Sunday. Everyone is getting out of church. Yeah. Uh, So... And everyone comes out of the church, and they say thank you to the reverend, and Andy says, hey, this is you had a great service. And the reverend's like, oh, well, I don't think I was reaching Deputy Fife. He seemed to be asleep. Andy makes up some kind of... Andy lies to a man of the cloth. And, yeah. And uh, just... And- uh, no, no, I, either one of two things. Either A, Andy lies to a man of the cloth, or B... Andy just gives information on an ongoing investigation to a random man on the street or to, you know, because he says uh, the reason why Deputy Five fell asleep is I had him up late on a chicken stakeout. We heard that buzz 
Aldrin or Buzz Buzz Smith or whatever. Buzz Buzzington has been has been pecking uh, hens. So another thing I want to point out: Do you remember when a big city detective like called Andy like or told Andy that he probably had to deal with crime like chicken thieves? Yeah, and Andy just went the fuck off on him. Yeah, that was accurate. He had his <laughs> chicken thieving is something that he deals with. Yeah. Okay. And all right, we we did just make the pledge that we're gonna call out shitty policing when we see it. Andy just completely like ruined this guy's reputation off of a crime he has not proved that he did. Yes. Like, he 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 flat out says like. They got a tip that Buzz Jenkins was stealing chickens. And the Reverend's like, oh, I'm going to Buzz Jenkins tonight for dinner. Like, what the hell did you just do? Yeah, you just, all right, you have not actually caught him in the crime yet. And even if you had, you're still not allowed to do that. Yeah, you can't just say that. Yeah, you can't just be like, hey, everybody, do you want to hear about this crime I think this guy did? He's part of this community. I just polluted his good name. Absent-mindedly. Psychotic behavior. A very mean thing to do. Something very weird happens here uh, that I want to comment on. Something very weird happens here. As they are leaving, as, like, Barney walks away and he says, Good Sabbath to Andy. Good Sabbath. They, They walk away and they say, Good Sabbath, Reverend. Good Sabbath. That is not a thing yeah. that, that Christians, that's what we do. That's what the Jews do. Good Shabbos. Like on a, and we do it on a Friday night. We say good Shabbos to each other as, as we leave the service. As far as I know, Andy's definitely like some kind of Protestant, maybe a Methodist. They do not say good Shabbat to each other, good Sabbath to each other. And I, I bounced around a couple of Christianities as a kid. We, I never heard Good Sabbath. Like, that was yeah. not one of them. And, even though I know, yes, in the South, a lot of stuff closes on Sundays. Everything is shut down a little bit. But also, like, everyone in this is acting like they are Orthodox Jews observing the Sabbath. And he even says to Opie, Alright, that's enough. No trading on Sunday. And yeah. I will remind you, one of the writers of this episode's name is Everett Greenbaum. Yeah. Wait, so, so, probably a member of the tribe. My theory is that Everett doing zero research was just <laughs> like, this is, this is what Christians do, right? It's, pre- it's basically just us, but on a different fucking day. Just change yeah. that shit. My my big takeaway is that uh, this episode establishes in no fucking uncertain terms, not only are there no Jewish people in Mayberry, there are no Catholics in Mayberry, no Methodists, no Protestants. It's just whatever the fuck this is. It's called, just that which one is Baptist. church. Yeah. Just oh, pr- one yeah, fucking church that everyone is in. Like, yeah, oh, you're, you're right, you're right. Probably Baptist. King Mayberry is like a religious ethnostate, basically. Like, if every, you go into any, like, southern town, there's gonna be multiple fucking churches from different versions of Christianity, at least, that people go to. Like, there's always going to be, like, the, like, oh, we're Protestant. Oh, we're Catholic. Shake fist. But this is just, like, we all go to the same one. 
we do know that there is a doctor named Dr. Kravitz. There is a doctor with a Jewish last name. They That's... frequently say that he's from a different town. Oh, you're right. You're he's fucking right. He's from Mount right. fucking Pilot. You're... It's... Oh, you're right. Yeah. And, but but here's, here's the other thing I kind of want to get into, which this episode made me wonder. Is Andy Griffith or Andy Taylor religious? And by here's what I mean by this. We know that they go to church. I think Andy set, mentioned the good book once or twice. Maybe. Like, has Andy ever talked about God? Has the subject of religion actually come up other than it exists? I don't think so. I think it's just this generically Christian thing that you can just impose whatever value system you have onto it and kind of say... That's how God and Andy Griffith see it. I, I vaguely remember Andy saying the words, well, the good Lord, like he, he, he he's, I've heard him Andy Griffith about God at least once. Um, I think he's explained the Bible to Opie in Andy Griffith. What it was, was football terms. Mm, he's done Shakespeare. He's done like a lot of public domain stuff, but he's never done like any book of the Bible. He's never been huh. like, well, damn Israelites, well, they was in a whole heap of trouble over there in Egypt. <laughs> they got water then... on one side, water on the other side. Oh, they were mighty scared. <laughs> and the Pharaoh, this fellow who rules Egypt, he's called the Pharaoh. He's rolling down on them across between them oceans. Uh... Yeah, no, Andy's <laughs> never done that. I, I just, I find that very weird and somewhat telling. Of what, like, the people who watch this show and enjoy it, what the people who are who get really horny for this episode, like, look into. Because it just, again, it, it it's a, it's evocative of a feeling without any specifics behind it. Yeah. Um, and it's weird, because you could put, like, an explicitly Christian television show on the air. You, no one would have really had a problem with it, but they didn't. They... They put a lightly Christian show on the air, a show that that where people are are Christian. That's very clearly stated, but nothing about that Christianity sinks in. It's it's I feel like you, you see where I'm going with this. I find that very interesting. One one takeaway I have from growing up uh christian uh was we were catholic and then episcopalian uh is this betrays sunday as like the most relaxing day of the year no motherfucker growing up a, like sunday is, is if you are religious the most stressful fucking day of the year because it's like like all right we gotta go to church we gotta wake up early then i gotta go to fucking sunday school my mom is stressed out because she's gonna see that bitch kathy in the mixer after church and she's gonna have to navigate a shitload of passive aggressive politics the priest is going to ask us a bunch of prying questions about our lifestyle then after that we're all stressed out and anxious from church we all have fucking shit to do it's the worst day of the week. It's kind of when you just get all of your bullshit out of the way. And what are these people doing leaving church at noon? The service ends and they all leave? No! No, you don't get to leave church at noon. Especially now if you're Baptist. There's one thing I know about Baptists, and Baptists love to eat. There is definitely a potluck. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? Is that the church kind of seems like their social center. They do a lot of church socially stuff. But I think that also might just be because there's no other options. So, 
very, very confused by the Andy Griffith show's portrayal of Christianity here. Which yeah, is, you, to be after, clear, the first five minutes of this episode. After after church, like, Opie is, like, running around having a good time. No, Opie has to go to Sunday school to get the most overt, over-the-top bullying he's ever going to get in his life. The absolute shittiest behavior of children imaginable, because they all just had to sit in church. Feels like that's more a Dan thing than anything. I think my experiences there were pretty fundamental. Uh, it's the only situation I've ever been in where I've had a bully who literally leaned over to me and just said, Hey, I'm gonna bully you. <laughs> just like really hitting the nail on the fucking head. <laughs> Extremely weird experience. But yeah, I, I resent this portrayal of, of Christian Sundays. Our, our businessman, whose name is Malcolm Tucker, uh, not to be confused with Malcolm Tucker of In the Thick of It slash In the Loop, lot less C words. Um, yeah. So Mal- Malcolm Tucker says, hey, sheriff, you're the sheriff. Can you help me? My car broke down uh, about two miles out. Andy immediately is like, well, I can take you to the filling station, but it's not going to do you a lot of good. Wally, our mechanic, is not working on Sunday. And Malcolm's like, I'm sure I can maybe talk him into it. Let's just, can we can just give it a shot. So they get in the car, they drop off Andy, or they drop off Opie and Aunt B. They go to the filling station. Of course, Wally isn't there. The only person there is Gomer Pyle. This is the Gomer Pyle episode. This is it. He is here. He has arrived. Begin like the apocalyptic uh, end of days music. Gomer Pyle is here. We need to figure out what the fuck we're doing about this. Yeah, so Gomer Pyle makes me distinctly uncomfortable. You've said a couple of times that Gomer Pyle's whole thing is that, like, he has the brain of a child. And I'm not ready to commit to that. Like, I'm not ready to to say, like, the Andy Griffith show has an entire character that is just mentally disabled and uh, they just make fun of him incessantly. But I will say, he makes me very uncomfortable. I think there is a difference between a dumb character and a slow character right and yeah like joey tribbiani is a dumb character andy dwyer is a dumb character goomer pile is played slow on the uptake and here's something that the ultra reliable mayberry wiki has told me the character of goomer pile was actually created specifically for this episode and was modeled after a real life incompetent gas station attendant that the writer dealt with that the writer dealt with one time when he had car trouble. All the attendant could do to think uh, could think to do was put more gas in the tank. So this character only exists because Everett Greenbaum or Jim Fritzel wanted to be shitty to a a minimum wage service station worker that they ran into one time. Like yeah. it's a petty fucking character. Imagine that. Imagine being so petty that you had a bad time, bad service one time. I'm not even gonna say that that's bad service. A filling station attendant is not a mechanic. Yeah, like, no. This, this he, show the goes was, out of its way to explain that. The guy was just basically telling you, like, I have one move. I do not have a wrench. I have a gas pump. I can put more gas in your car. End of things I can do. And the yeah, guy and- was like, this fucking idiot who doesn't understand that the car doesn't need gas. And the gas station attendant is like, I can't just hit your car with my gas pump. The only tool I have. The interpretation of that we see on the Andy Griffith show is that 
Malcolm gets much more frustrated with Gomer as Gomer sits there and he says, well, you might be out of gas. And Malcolm goes, there's plenty of gas in there. I know there's gas. Well, maybe you got a busted fuel gauge. Sometimes it'll tell you got an uh, F when you got an E. The E is for empty. No, it's not. And that's like, and that's basically it. Like this weird in this weird interaction that one of these writers had warped its way into here's this dumb, simple, slow boy. Also, they call him boy. Uh, I'm very yeah. confused on how old Gomer Pyle is supposed to be. Because Jim Neighbors is like 40. Yeah, he's like a 40 year old man. But as they get into the car to drive away, uh, Malcolm says something like, why would they let a boy like that in charge of the service station? Which, number one, boy, and second, a boy like that? Like what? Yeah. Andy makes a joke and says, it's a part-time job. He's saving to go to college to be a doctor. Yeah! Uh, oh! Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of these, it's, it's as bad as we feared, if not worse. So, I mean, I, I don't think this is a dumb character, man. I think this is a developmentally disabled character. I think we're in the fucking, we're in the shit here. Because, um, I mean, with a dumb character in all sitcoms, you get a reason why they are dumb. Like, Joey Tribbiani, he's dumb because he's vain and doesn't really care about stuff. Homer Simpson. He's dumb because he's drunk all the time and doesn't really care. Like, it's, it's, they're dumb because blank. And, like, there are characters that are dumb because they're too angry or dumb because they're jerks. This character is just dumb for... They really try to go with the moron with a heart of gold. Like, part of this episode is just, like, Gomer does get re- I'm not gonna say redeemed because he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, yeah. But it is shown that, like, Gomer is, I'm going to say, simple but sweet, uh, which yeah. is awful. That's terrible. That's some freaking Tropic Thunder Simple Jack shit. Like, it's very Simple Jack. It's it's pretty fucking bad. Like, immediately, from, like, word one, because the jokes about Gomer are not Gomer said something stupid or Gomer misinterpreted a thing. It's Gomer talks real slow. He is not very good at understanding things on the first pass. You need to explain them to him a lot. But the joke is never like, ha, Gomer misunderstood that. So Gomer did blank. It's like, you had to explain a thing to Gomer three times for him to understand. It's real bad. We... It's rough. It's rough. Like, let, let's just go ahead and say that, like, any episode with Gomer Pyle in it automatically gets, like, a five-point Barney meter boost. Right. Yeah, I'm excited for it to get either much, much worse or maybe better. Maybe they'll figure this out. Nope, it's going to get worse. It's only going to go downhill from here. There is always more and it is always worse. They give up. They're like, okay, let's go to Wally's house and maybe we can get Wally to come in. So, and this scene is actually pretty good. I like this bit. Wally is very charismatic. He's just this dude sitting on a rocking chair reading the Sunday comics. He's like the most friendly boy bob howdy kind of guy he does this funny bit with malcolm where he's like he like says okay so your car did it like drive real smooth and go and then drive real smooth and go and he he does like a i don't know if this actor just like was good at making mouth sounds but that's kind of the gag yeah just let him do a bunch of like car noises with his with his mouth 
He just and... basically does click and clack from car talk. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's pretty funny. Malcolm's like, okay, yes, that's exactly it. And uh, Wally goes, cool, fuel line. It'll take about an hour. We'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. And that's it. He's just like, I'm not coming in today. You can piss off, basically. Sunday's my day off. And the show kind of presents it as like, well, what's your big hurry? Why don't you just chill and cool your feet? And I'm like, Wally's a fucking asshole. Like, it's a one-hour repair. This guy is stranded in a town he has never been to before. You're basically making him pay hotel expenses because you won't just, like, step off your fucking porch and do basically an emergency repair. It it, it would be one thing if it was like, yeah, that'll take two days to fix, which is always, like, the thing in the you're stranded in a town story. Right, that's how it always goes. Like, you gotta order a part or something. Yeah, and he's got like, a clogged fuel line. You just gotta blow out the fuel line because there's a clog in it. Yeah, the, the 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 mechanic always comes out like wiping down a rag, and it's just like, ah, you got a blown out huge thing, and we gotta order it from Japan and replace it. You're gonna be stuck in this town two days, but don't worry, you can stay at the old motel. And this, the guy is just like, I could fix it now. I could fix it right. I could get up and I could walk over and I could fix it. But you know what? Fuck you. Hey, Andy, do you want to hear about some comics I'm reading? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, it, it just, it makes Wally look bad that he could help this man and absolutely refuses to. Why am I, again, why am I supposed to be on Mayberry's side here? Like, yeah. Why am I supposed to side with the Mayberry citizens? Wally could help, he just doesn't want to. And also, yeah. this episode makes it, go, like, goes out of its fucking way to, like, point out that the mechanics are on the up and up and honest and trustworthy any real life mechanic hears that and they go ka-ching yeah like oh I have you over a barrel awesome you got somewhere to be and I'm the only person that can help and you need it done right now well guess whose hourly labor rate just shot up and honestly fine fine charge him more to come in on your day off fine yeah like like, he has nowhere to sleep! Like, and like, they're, they're all just like, well, you can stay in Andy Taylor's house, and the guy would just, like, anybody in a normal, in that situation would be like, who? You mean this, this guy I've just fucking met? Yeah, I'll go stay in his child's bed. That'll be great. I, I love the idea of doing that. Uh, when it's just like, just fix my fucking car. This guy is mad for the remainder of the episode. I would be livid. The experience that he goes through in this is how you would torture me in the bad place. Yeah. They go back to Andy's house and he thinks, all right, so maybe I can call for help. I can call somebody. Oh, Uh, wait, wait, no. You you missed an event. He goes back to uh, Gomer and he asks Gomer to, to fix the truck. Basically says like, it's an hour repair. You can fucking do it. Gomer uh, talks about his cousin Goober, who is like basically a good redneck repairman. He just does crazy shit with engines and stuff. He can fix it, but he's out on his boat. Uh, and then businessman steals Gomer's truck. Yeah, he he loses. He finally loses his cool, and he just steals Gomer's truck and drives away. Uh, fade to commercial. When we come back from commercial, they're at the jail. Andy has picked up. Malcolm and apparently returned the stolen truck. And he's like, all right, well, I should arrest you, but I'm not gonna. 
and it seemed like you were in a situation, you had some trouble. This is going to be harder than I thought, because I don't even know how to approach Andy's approach here. Uh, Gomer, of course, is not going to go, well, I would like to press charges. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, there's so many ways to fucking tackle this, like it's a rich old white dude who stole a, who stole a truck from a poor person, or fucking more like he he identifies the problem, he gives him a pass, but he doesn't actually fucking solve the problem by getting his goddamn car fixed. I, I got an idea, I got an idea here. Why don't we try to approach this for, like, how this problem could be solved without Andy Griffith at all? Hey! Like, I, I, I think I think for every time we run into this, we should just figure out, like, what would this look like if Andy just wasn't there, right? And the way that this is solved, like, through a community, is, number one, A, Wally gets off his ass and does the fucking repair. Yeah. B, some kind of, like, education or trade school or training has been done so that Gomer is capable of doing quick and simple repairs, like blowing out a fuel line, right? Or C, if it's such a simple thing... This is Mayberry. People work on their own cars. Somebody yeah. can help. There's got to be like a community help center. Aunt B can get on the line, can just yell, and somebody's cousin. Look, I've lived in a small town. If your truck gets stuck in the mud, somebody will send their cousin who's got a winch on their Jeep to come and get you. It'll be a person you've never met. You will pay them back with a 12-pack of bud, and everything will go on like like normal. And you know what? Fine. That is a beautiful way to show how life works in a small town. Andy does not need to be involved I in mean, this at all! What, most case scenario, all those options not available. You get on the phone, you fucking call someone over the next town over who is not an observant fucking Christian who is willing to work on a goddamn Sunday. There's probably one of those in the goddamn county. Get them to come over, fix the fucking car, pay them. There's a billion fucking options for this that don't involve the sheriff arresting a guy and basically putting him in house arrest in his home. Yeah, so you did not lead to involve legal authority to uh, to resolve this situation even a little bit. Uh, I like this exercise. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do this exercise. From now on, we'll just try, try to figure out how Mayberry could handle things without involving the police at all. Because quite frankly, like, I, we, we're taught constantly as white people like if you have a problem go to the police and they will help you develop a solution and that's what the andy griffith show pretty much preaches but yeah it is not the sheriff's job to help you out here if you go to the sheriff and say my car broke down the sheriff should like justifiably say that sucks yeah like we and we've kind of been like sort of drinking that kool-aid so far where it's like well, Andy Griffith isn't really a police officer. He solves people's problems and he does people's laundry and he's a, like a servant of the community. He fixes shit and we've been like, yeah, good. We're we're on board Andy Griffith show. That's good. And in retrospect, we're like, why are you paying cops to do that shit? Like, why is Barney getting paid to fix street signs? He doesn't know how to do that. Get now, a fucking be... public works person. Yeah, yeah. Why is there no social services in Mayberry at all? Aunt B could be a social worker very easily. Um, yeah. Now, to be fair, to be fair, Andy is out of uniform for this entire thing. Like, it's not like he went to church in his uniform. The only reason why 
Malcolm knew that he was the sheriff is because he went there in the squad car, which is problematic in its own right. But yeah. this is just this is just Andy Taylor, private citizen, trying to help a man out. So he's out of uniform. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a pass on this. He, anyway, he they, does arrest a guy. He does arrest a guy. That's true. I forgot he does a, or or he, declines to arrest them. He obtains um, and does not arrest a guy. He grabs a guy, puts him in the police station, and says, "You're not under arrest." So yes, that does happen, and that's when he takes he takes Malcolm back to his house, and that's where he's like, "Dude, you might as well just crash here for the night, whatever." Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I I hate to keep correcting you, Marty. He's not like, "Oh, you might as well crash here." He's like, "Crash here." Get in my home! You stay with me tonight! Yes? You stay here! Nowhere else for you to go. You get in my home, you get in that bed, you fall asleep, you live here now for the next 24 hours! To be clear, Mayberry has a hotel. We've seen the hotel numerous times. We know the name of the man who owns it. It's Jason. Does Jason not, like, have people come in on Sunday? Can you not check into the hotel on Sundays? Wait, of course- oh, no, no. I, never mind. Jason is busy on Sundays. He is a youth pastor. <laughs> Jason is busy being a secondary character on Rocket Power on Sundays. Jason is way too busy putting his hat backwards, showing off his sick basketball moves, saying, my wife, to the teens <laughs> a lot. Jason- and really just, just humanizing the, humanizing himself as he spreads the word of God to the, the youth of America. Jason is busy being the attempted replacement mascot for Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> he flips up on his on his skateboard. He's like, hey, I'm Jason. Let's eat some pizza and play some games. Jason is too busy rapping Shakespearean sonnets to the English class <laughs> at the local high school. <laughs> Jason, Jason is too busy explaining that things that aren't rap are actually rap to make teens like them. Hey, you know, when you really think about it, arithmetic is just kind of like numbers rap. Archimedes was like the Tupac of math. Jason is too busy looking in the mirror and practicing Hamilton lyrics. Uh, Jason is too busy shopping for wraparound sunglasses. (laughs) Jason is not throwing away his shot. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I think we're good. We're good. We got some mileage out of that. Fucking Jason. (laughs) Fuck. Anyway, if any of our listeners have the name Jason, I just want to take a stand. Change your name. You're ridiculous. (laughs) Your parents (laughs) fucked up, and you are now a ridiculous human in the in this serious time. There was a time and a place to be named Jason, and it was Malibu in the '90s, and you're no longer okay. Jason, Jason's not the name of an adult. <laughs> no. You, you fucking side character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer ass motherfucker, change your goddamn name. At least go by Jay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> fuck, we're what gonna, the fu- <laughs> statistically, we have at least one listener who's named Jason, who is now weeping, who did not already have enough problems going on. There is there is a character in this episode whose name is Johnny Paul Jason. I don't know if you remember, there is a character on uh, the Andy Griffith show that is a friend of Opie's who always tells weird tall tales. Uh, and in this episode, 
Johnny Paul Jason tells Opie that if you put a horse hair into stagnant water, it will turn into a snake. Which, what? What? It's going to eventually become clear, like, hey, Dad, Johnny Paul Jason is hallucinating vividly. He's not lying. I'm really confused about Johnny Paul J. Is Jason his last name? Does he have two middle names? If they're Catholic, it would make sense for him to have two middle names. Yeah, I don't... It's it's a very weird name for a human child. Anyway, yeah. so they go back to Andy's house, uh, and Malcolm tries to get somebody else on the phone, uh, but he cannot because the phone is tied up. And I had to look up how phones worked in the 1960s. The phone is, is tied up by two old women who uh, hog the party line, basically, talking to each other and visiting because it's they're old and it's hard for them to get around so these two old sisters are having just a boring old lady conversation about like why your foot falls asleep sometimes and they're on the party line so if you've never experienced this before uh in the 1960s especially in rural areas where you couldn't get a lot of copper wire to make phone lines uh where mr McBeavy had not been out to your area for a while to put up some some phone uh calls there would just be one, like, kind of municipal services line. You had no privacy. Anyone could listen in on it. And it was just kind of like your block's uh, phone line or your, like, your city's phone line. And that was just how phones worked. You, if you were rich, you could pay extra to have a private line. Mm-hmm. But for most people, it was just the uh, the party line that was just general there. So when this man gets mad, when Malcolm gets mad and he's like, this public utility is being hogged for an entire day so that two old women can talk about feet falling asleep. Uh, he's 100% right. Uh, I will say also, while I was doing this research, I found a comic book that was put out by uh, AT&T or called Bobby Gets Hep. What? Uh, Jesus. Bobby Gets Hep is a six-page comic book that was put out by AT&T about a selfish child a selfish teenager who keeps hogging the party line to so he can flirt and talk with girls or whatever and as a result of his actions his father is nearly killed in a fire because uh, a woman cannot get off the line to report it so it's like it's like a cautionary tale about party line etiquette it's one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen uh, we're, we might have to do like a bonus or something about it. I don't really know how to do this in an audio format, but we definitely need to do something with it. Bobby gets hep. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a comic book PSA about party line etiquette and how if you hog the line, your father might die. Okay. But all right. Imagine a circumstance where you would be okay hogging the line. I couldn't imagine talking for more than five seconds on a line that anybody in town can listen to. It would just, I would just be like, 5 p.m., the place, go there, and then get the fuck off the line. I wouldn't reveal not just important information, but I wouldn't say where I'm going to dinner over a line like this. Imagine just being like, I want to talk about my day. In the comic book, Bobby is playing a record for his girlfriend over the phone. Which, what? What? That's the reason you have records, Bobby, is that so your girlfriend comes over and you can have sex. You <laughs> idiot. You're so bad at this. You dumb child. That's why 
This is why you do anything. What are you doing? Like, like, what, like all right, you're going to be like on the phone, gossiping, talking about like boys. And then just like, maybe your boy, like the, the boy is like listening and being like, oh, hell yeah. I hear gossip about me. Like, what the fuck can you possibly talk about? Any any phone conversation over 12 minutes involves talking shit on someone you both know, and that person could be listening. Oh, absolutely, right? Like, there's no reason for us, for human beings to have conversations that don't involve just talking mad shit on a mutual acquaintance. Yeah. I, I just assume that at any given time, like, people are talking mad, people I know are talking mad shit about me. Yeah, no, we are in a podcast right now. Currently, two people we know are making fun of us for having a podcast. Like, that is an absolute certainty. It's a different pair of people every time. It's just, it's just life. The hell were we? Okay, so he got arrested, but is released. He goes to Andy Griffith's fucking house. He's desperately trying to get a hold of someone to fix his fucking car. Right, but he can't because these two old women are, and the, the recurring gag is, like, they're talking about feet falling. They say, why do they have, why does that happen? And then Barney's like, boy, I wonder why that happens. My feet fall asleep sometimes. It's just, like, eight people talk about feet falling asleep and why that happens. By the way, your feet fall asleep because something compresses the nerve endings and temporarily disrupts the communication between your brain and your nerves in that part of your body. That's why it happens. So we should, sorry, they've painted a picture of what the idyllic, perfect, paradise, lazy Sunday in Mayberry is. Can we just briefly talk about how this shit sucks? Like, I would hate to live in this town doing this right now. And that is not me talking as a technology addict. This is me talking as like, I I was a kid before the fucking internet existed. I remember what it was like to not have a fucking smartphone. But even back then, I'd be like, this is the fucking worst. This is the pits. It seems like this would be fun for one afternoon. Like one afternoon, just hanging out, whatever. Andy's playing his guitar. But to do this every single week, every single Sunday, sounds like hell. (laughs) I mean, even, all right. They sit around and they sit on rocking chairs and, you know, they just talk. And you think the conversations would be like, oh, let's talk about life. You know, let's just kind of let's have some nice conversation. And instead, it's just like, I think what I'm going to do later is get a soda. Yep. Think I am going to get a soda. And Andy's like, oh, you going to get a soda? Yeah, I'm going to get a soda. That sounds nice. Just uh, not even saying what fucking flavor of soda he's going to get. Just like, get myself a nice <laughs> soda. Like, these people are it's be- dying. You know what? It's, it's, it's because Floyd is out of town. You know that if Floyd was in town, he would like, like plummet through the roof. What kind of soda are you going to get? You know that there's blueberry soda and orange soda and raspberry soda? Soda comes in different flavors. I'm the fucking Kool-Aid man for soda. Oh, I love soda. That's that's Howard McNear. Yeah. There's Floyd the Barber. That's, that's what he does, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's he's soda guy. Uh, we fucking lost the plot so hard. Uh, um, so, uh, so fucking, so, yeah. No, so, they're no, all no, living that, that, in a hell. That, 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 that's the gag. Uh, they're just sitting out on the porch. And Barney says something like, 
you know what I'm going to do, Andy? I'm going to go home. I'm going to take a nap. And then I'm going to go to Thelma Luz and watch TV. Yep. That's the plan. Go home. Take a nap. Go to Thelma Luz. Watch TV. Sounds real nice. Go at home. Take a nap. You know how listeners, listeners, you know how you're screaming at me right now? If you haven't already hit the skip 15 seconds button, that's me screaming at the television. And that's Malcolm screaming at Barney. Eventually, he just loses his shit and goes, then do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just go to them. I don't care. I, Ari, you are not witnessing tranquility. You are witnessing the death of neurons. You are watching, like, a man slowly give himself a concussion using a rocking chair. Like, it is upsetting like you have an entire day no business no doing everything everybody's gonna sit and chill all right go contemplate the tranquility of a lake go fucking fish read a book write a book do fucking anything it like but they're just repeating information over and over and over again it's obscene (laughs) Imagine if this was, like, modern. Imagine if I just got a text from you. Yeah. And you were like, hey, Marty, I'm going to take a nap and then play Animal Crossing with my girlfriend. Yeah. I would be so mad. We wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. I don't care. There's no way that I care if you're taking a nap and hanging out with your girlfriend. Yeah. At all. Like. This is not information you need to tell me. Yeah. Like, if. If I was just like, hey, Marty, do you want to know what I did today in excruciating detail? You'd be like, I will come to your house and beat your ass. And and we are very good friends. But I assume that if you're going to tell me what you did with your day, that like something interesting or unique or unusual happened. Yeah. If we were hanging out and you just started repeating the same piece of information over and over again, at the very least, I'd be like, Marty, it's okay for us to shut the fuck up. Like, we can just sit in the rocking chairs, man. It's cool. You don't have to just fill the silence. Kind of the turning point here, uh, after he's been offered food and stuff by Aunt B or whatever, is it's later in the evening. Uh, I think by this point, Gomer went and got Goober. He comes back to Andy's house, tells Malcolm, hey, we think you need a new set of spark plugs. Do you have my permission or do I have your permission to put them in? They're going to cost $1.15 each. It's an eight-cylinder. You're going to need eight of them. This is treated like a joke, by the way. It's more, it's 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 like Gomer shows up. Hi, we said you need a new pair of spark plugs, set of spark plugs. Malcolm goes, okay. It's an eight-cylinder. You're going to need eight of them. Laugh, 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 laugh. Malcolm goes, okay. Are you sure there's $1.15 each? D- okay. I don't want you to think we overcharged you. Do I have your permission? This is just, this is just Gomer being responsible. Yeah. There's nothing funny about this. This is a reasonable but frustrating interaction I could have in real life. It's basically one of those things of like, do you want to delete your account? Sure. Click this box. Are you positive you want to delete? Tell us why you want to delete your account. Like, it's, it's just one of those, like, needlessly tedious interactions that we all subject ourselves to, but wish we don't, but don't want to think about. So, you know what's good? Putting that on television. Yeah. That's some good entertainment. Fuck. Like, 
so the, the, the turning point would be this admittedly kind of nice scene where out on the porch, Andy's just kind of strumming his guitar. Barney's singing along. They're singing a hymn together. By the way, harmonizing quite well, completely removing that point where Barney can't sing. Oh, yeah. But they're they're just singing together quite nicely, a little hymn. And then the camera zooms in real slowly on Malcolm's face as he also starts to sing along and just fall into the tranquility of Mayberry, which would be a really comforting and moving moment if they hadn't already fucking used it in a much better fucking episode. Watching this episode, I had the overwhelming feeling that I had seen this before and I would see it again. It's because you have. We've seen this shit before. We've seen Guy Get Stuck in Mayberry before. We've seen Cranky Man Falls to Mayberry's spell before. We've seen the, like, singing along silently kind of thing before. We've seen all of this shit before. This is just all of the Mayberry elements tossed into one thing, and that is why, according to the ultra-reliable Mayberry wiki, they say this could well be the prototypical episode to fully understand life in Mayberry. I want to read... I want to read some comments here because I need you to understand that people are currently commenting on this. The most recent episode or the most recent comment on this Wikipedia page was from two weeks ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, people are still fucking commenting on this and talking about this. Uh, Not only that, but they are giving, like, real specifics. Uh, I love this episode. I make sure to watch it every time it is on. It was on TV Land yesterday, two fourteen twenty at six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh my time. God! In the scene with in the scene where they are eating Sunday supper, watch how Andy is op- offering Opie a roll, but Opie isn't looking. But Opie isn't looking. He holds the dish for a few seconds until Opie looks up to take it. Also, Aunt B has made quite a dinner. She even has clear chicken broth. If Mister Tucker doesn't want any solid food, the quiet Sunday with church dinner and family is what makes me want to live in Mayberry, circa nineteen sixty two. Oh, uh, some somebody else watched it. Uh, TV Land four two twenty six o'clock p.m. I watched it again as if it was the first time I ever saw it. Great episode as Mister Tucker walks into oh, Mayberry God. on a Sunday. Andy and Barney in their Sunday clothes tell the, the, the viewer this isn't a typical Andy Griffith show episode. Oh God! The scene outside the church gives the viewer that Sunday feel. No. How about when they go to Wally's house and he's on the rocking chair reading ah. the Sunday paper, <laughs> and then of course Sunday dinner. You can taste the chicken so dinner much. prepared by Aunt B, sitting on the porch with a full belly. You were as tired as Barney was, but yet <laughs> can sing a little with Andy as he picked on his guitar. When Aunt B said there was ice cream, you wanted to taste the frozen treat because you knew it was going to be delicious. The afternoon stretching into early oh. evening by the time Gomer brought the car back from Mr. Tucker, yet you going. wanted to know what the rest of their Sunday evening was going to be like. I hate you this. You gotta take... No, I'm, I can't I can't do any more of this. It's but just like, a kaleidoscope of human sadness. I mean, I try not to be shitty about people that like this stuff, but it's just... it's It's, again shows the amazing difference in what I expect from a television program versus what these people expect from a television program. I mean, Um, have you ever, like, what's the last time you've watched a TV show on the basis of, I want to live in this world? On the soul basis? Like, like, just, yeah, I, I think as the fundamental leverage of why you watch the show is like, it's probably like, oh, you know, 
forty percent. I like the jokes and characters, and twenty and and the and and sixty percent. I want to be here because that seems to be the ratio with people that like the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think that's mostly because I, I keep thinking of like shows that have like weird cultish followings uh but nobody wants to live in pawnee yeah like the show goes out of their way to show that pawnee sucks but a lot of people want to be leslie nope you know a lot of people want to see themselves in these characters whereas with the andy griffith show a lot of people want to see themselves in that place i guess i think that's that's interesting I, i i straight up i'm thinking about shows that i like we're harsh on the Andy Griffith show, but what is the fucking theme song to Cheers? Like, yeah. Everybody knows your name. Do, 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 yeah. do, do. This bar is fun to be at. Do, 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 do. Yeah, Cheers <laughs> is basically, Cheers is, I think, the only other show I can think of that's like this, where it's like, don't you want to fucking be here? It seems so good. Like, because uh, the, the whole thing is like, the, the song is basically yelling that, and people go to cheers on the basis of, I want to be there, I want to be with my good friend Norm, that looks like a very nice bar that is what I wish all bars were. Uh, I, I will say, like, like I wish that I could live in the New York City that exists on sitcoms. Yeah. You know? Friends painted a very weird portrayal of, of New York City, as did How I Met Your Mother. But yeah, I've never... Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of it's just like, I want to go to there. Like, have you ever seen the phenomena of people that... It was right after Avatar came out, there was like an almost diagnosed psychological disorder of people who uh, were deeply and fundamentally upset in their souls that they would never get to live on Pandora. Yeah, there was like a, a wave of depression for people who like got really upset that Pandora isn't real and like that's not a place you can actually go to. Yeah. But, but you, you you know what? You know what? Those people are better than the fucking Andy Griffith show people because they they accept the fact that it's not real. Yeah. They understand that you can't go there. And those people are like, I'm very deeply in my soul upset because I'll never get to ride a fucking dragon. And uh, the Mayberry people are very deeply upset because they're like, I'm never going to get to sit on a rocking chair in a town with no black people or Jews. Uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> like it's two very different things. Like, yeah, fuck. I, we're, we we try to be very even handed with people who comment on uh, Andy Griffith show pages, and we are not this time. Fresh out, not of this flux. fucking time. Oh my god! But- April twenty eighth. <laughs> April twenty eighth. Yep, no doubt about it. This is my favorite episode. It has its own special music that makes it identifiable when the TV's on, but in another room. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear it and say, man in a hurry. I work from home and have the TV playing in another room and tune in to the Sundance channel in the morning. Me TV at 9 a.m. after Sundance and TV land at 4 p.m. Is All Andy Griffith show. I love trying to identify what episode is showing just by the music or opening lines. I straight up could not care about anything less than the TV schedules of a place where I do not live. And yet, these are the kind of details that these people just share with each other? Is They're it- just like, 
I need you to know what time the Andy Griffith Show is on. And also, you're on the Andy Griffith Show Wikipedia page. You're part of the Andy Griffith Show fan club. These people know what time the Andy Griffith Show is on. Why are you sharing this information with each other? Okay, so this is April 28th of this year, 2020. Of this year. Okay. Of this year. I, like, all right. My birthday was a couple days past that, and I was like, I'm not gonna fucking tell anybody, because it's April of 20-fucking-20, and no one gives a shit. Because no one gives a shit about anything. Very little information is worth transmitting in any form right now, and meanwhile, this motherfucker's like, hey, who wants to hear about the TV shows I put on in the other room while I work from fucking home what are these creatures also it's april of 2020 we all work from home my dude yeah stop bragging asshole fuck fuck it's the worst uh, yeah like i i think we're taking the 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 regulators off on talking shit on people who watch Andy Andy Griffith show. You guys are sad, which we like kind of gave you a pass on, but you're sad for bad reasons that you should feel bad about. Ugh. Oh. Yeah. God. Fuck this episode of television. <laughs> you know what? This this is one of the times when I wish that we actually were on video cuz you're just watching my hair just like just get, get... sweatier and more frazzled <laughs> and I'm just Holding my head in my fucking hands. Yeah, I I literally <laughs> fell off my chair at one point. Um, fucking. <laughs> How does this show fucking end? Okay, so uh, Gomer Pyle pulls up and he's like, "Hey, me and Goober managed to fix your car." Malcolm's like, "Oh well, that's great. Thank you. How much do I owe you?" And Gomer's like, "Oh no, we're not gonna take any money." And Malcolm goes, "No, I want to give you money." Gomer says. Goober said it was just a pleasure to work on such a fine car. We took a picture because he wanted to like show off how he worked on it, but it was such a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. And it's that Southern hospitality that, that Gomer Pyle like showed that like works his way in. And then Opie shows up and it's like, are you going to stay overnight, Mr. Tucker? And Mr. Tucker's like, nope, I'm going to go. Oh, but I could have slept on an ironing board between two chairs. That's adventure sleeping. What the f- Fuck, Andy, you don't have a better- He's invited people to stay in his house like 50 fucking times. Every time Opie's been sleeping on a fucking ironing board? Get a they sleeping bag! They have a couch! Yeah! What the fuck? And the guy is like, Haha, you're sleeping in a very dangerous situation. I'm gonna fucking stay. I'm- I think I'm- this seems like a good joint. I'm going to make this child sleep in active danger. I straight up do not know why you need to do the ironing board. He's a very small child. You could just push the two ca- the two chairs together. Or Andy, like, let him sleep in your bed. They have a cot at the jail. He could just go get the cot. Yes. So many other... That sounds like literally... That is the most dangerous sleeping situation for a child I think I've ever fucking heard. It's like... <laughs> Oh, well, you know, Dad lets me sleep on the bed of nails sometimes. Dad'll take a bunch of rusty metal, and he'll kind of put that in a pile, and I'll sleep on top of it. And I love it. I love it, because I'm a fucking idiot child. And I don't know that this is a terrible idea. He calls it adventure sleeping, because it's really dangerous. 
and this is one of the most annoying parts of the Andy Griffith show to me. I've explained it so many times that you have to, you can't just ever say how you feel. There has to be a bullshit lie. Yeah. And at this point, at this point, it's being very mean to Gomer, right? Malcolm Tucker, Mr. Tucker decides, yes, I would like to stay here tonight. But instead of just saying, hey, can I stay here tonight? He gets in his car, he starts it, and he goes, wait, no, this is still wrong. This is still broken. Do you hear that? There's still a problem. And Gomer kind of goes, no, I don't hear anything. We fixed it real good. And Mr. Tucker goes, nope, nope, I better uh, I better stay here tonight. Don't you think, Andy? I better stay here so that Wally can take a look at it in the morning. And Andy goes, oh, sure, sure, sure. I, I hear that, too. There's a problem. And the and Malcolm goes in and he says, okay, you know, he eats fucking Aunt B's food or whatever. And then no one explains what's going on to Gomer. Andy doesn't say he yeah. was lying. Yeah. Like, Gomer drives away having done a very nice thing for this man. Having done a wonderful thing for this man. Gomer drives away thinking that he is a failure. Yes. Gomer drives away thinking he fucked up. Yeah. And... and, and- Due to the circumstances, thinks it in his fucking heart and probably takes it very personally. He's like, I'm worthless. I couldn't fix this fucking car. This guy really needed help and I failed him. He spent all afternoon on this and the way you fucking repay him is by making him feel like garbage. Why? Because you're too much of a fucking masculine idiot to just say, Thank you. I would like to stay. I, I, I hate this shit. There's a line that Andy does when uh, when the dude is getting in his car and he's like, it's a shame that you have to be in a hurry. We hate when people pass through too fast. And the guy like gets out of his car and he's like, you know what? I will stay. And I would just be like, motherfucker, I've seen a couple of Twilight Zones. I'm out of here. That's a creepy ass line. I stay here. I'm getting pod personed. You guys have done everything in your earthly fucking power to keep me in this town. I'm going to get roboted. I'm going to get put in an alien pod. Some bad shit is going to happen. I'm going to make tracks. Yeah. At at what point in time, like with all of these events happening, at what point in time do you sit there and go, am I a hostage? Yeah. Like, at what point in time do you start asking, am I free to go, officer? Yeah. Like, like you, oh, to, to, to be clear, he does say, like, at one point, he's like, I can make one phone call by law, can't I? And Andy's like, yeah, dude, you're not under arrest. You can make as many phone calls as you want. They're not going to do you any good, though. Except, no, you can't, because the line is going to be tied up for the next three hours. So I, on a technicality, you cannot make a fucking phone call. Because if he had arrested him, the dude would have had to, Andy would have had to tell the sisters to get off the fucking phone so the guy can make his legally required phone call. But he's like, no, I'm not going to arrest you so that you can't actually communicate with the outside world. Oh my god, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, if I was this dude, I would be like, all right, I'm just going to start walking because you motherfuckers are going to kill me. No yeah. way in hell. Uh, yeah. This fucking episode of TV is so creepy. So, I mean, the stinger is stupid. Uh, the stinger calls back to something we didn't explain before, but whatever. Uh, Andy, Andy, at one point in time, as they were just hanging out, asks, Hey, Mr. Tucker, when you were, you ever try to peel an apple and try to get the whole thing in one go so it, it doesn't break or whatever? And Mr. Tucker's like, what? No, shut up. 
Anyway, the stinger is more of the same bullshit, sitting on the porch. Andy's playing his guitar. Uh, Barney's like, oh my god, the scene drives on forever. Barney says, I think I might go uptown and get me some soda. Andy, do you want to go uptown and get some soda? Let's go uptown and get some soda. And Andy goes, yeah, that sounds real good. Let's get some soda. Do you think Mr. Tucker wants to go? Mr. Tucker's right there. I don't know. Why don't we ask him? Mr. Tucker, do you want to get some soda? And Mr. Tucker has fallen asleep while peeling an apple as some kind of metaphor that he's learned to slow down and take things slow or whatever. Shut up. It's hell. This episode is hell. It is not. It is torture. It is not an episode of television. It is an advertisement from the from the Mayberry Board of Tourism. It is like an ad that you would see on cable that's like, come to beautiful, sunny Boca Raton. Uh, here's some old people playing volleyball. But it's 22 fucking minutes. It's, an a- it's a tourism advertisement for a place that does not exist uh, with like four cumulative jokes and no point whatsoever. Like, there's no moral to this fucking story. It, the- there is, like, a vague moral of, like, slow down, take your time, everybody's in such a rush. It's not like, and you guys in the world should take your time. It's like, you guys should come to fucking Mayberry, where everyone takes their fucking time. It kicks ass here. This this episode is confirmation bias in, te- in television form. Because if you come to this episode as the kind of person who already thinks that, like, everything's too complicated and we need to settle down... This episode proves your point. But if you come to this episode like we do, which is just like, these people are nuts, this episode also proves your point. Like, this is a fucking Rorschach test of an episode that means many different things to many different people. Uh, And I'm going to go ahead and say, we're correct. These people are nuts. These people are fucking stupid. Everyone in the comment section that likes this episode, I dislike you. We've said it already. Normally, we have a rule where we do not make fun of the people who like this show. I'm breaking that. It's we're, over. We're, we're tired. It's done. It's over. It has been a long couple of months. You people, your your free ride is over. We're going to get into the break, uh, into the Andy Griffith Rewind Watchers Club, and we're going to burn it down from the fucking inside, declaring war. Ratings. Uh, Andy meter. Uh, zero. Zero. Negative. I hated this. It made me furious. I wasn't that mad when I watched it, and now I'm livid. I'm gonna go out, and I'm gonna, like, kick some trash cans out of how much rage is in my heart. Oh, God, this sucks. Barney meter. I don't know how to question this. I I don't know how to address the Barney meter right now. Um, Like I said, five-point bonus every time Gomer piles on on screen, because he makes me uncomfortable. Like, just the... the, the fact that they use him as a joke, his existence is a joke. Yeah. Makes me uncomfortable. Uh, um, there's uh, some notable police uh, abuses of police power. All of them subtle, but fucking real. And he does behave in a way that if a cop behaved, you would be like, go to jail. Go to jail, police officer. Uh, you are no longer allowed to be a cop. Um, also, this is a slow motion kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So altogether, what, Barney Meter's like a fucking nine? I'm gonna say a nine. I, I hate this a, shit. A nine, yeah, yeah. Get ready for a new age of Barney Meter where shit does not fucking slide anymore. 
We're 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 fucking collecting scalps on the fucking Barney meter. Alright, that's it. That's it for this episode. I can't do any more. As always, you can get us on the internet, twitter.com slash breakmayberry, facebook.com slash breaking mayberry, <laughs> Instagram breaking mayberry, Patreon breaking mayberry. I'm at Schneid Remarks. I'm at the Luds. We'll see you guys later. Everybody stay strong. Uh, we're gonna get through this together. Donate to Black Lives Matter or to the bail funds of your choice. We're get, we'll attach some links in the description. Spread that fucking money around. It's needed in a lot of different places. And we'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Fuck the fishing hole. Boom, 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 boom,